Hey, Couple Synergy listeners, thank you so much for tuning in and for subscribing and downloading our podcast. This has been such an exciting journey for us for the past five months. As of today, we have had about 9,300 unique downloads of our episodes in over 50 countries. And the feedback we have received has been so awesome. And we have been so honored by those of you who have sent emails and created reviews on iTunes. Please, please, please continue to do so. It helps us create the content you all are looking for. And again, thank you. On today's episode, we interview Mary Senashi, who is a shadow integration coach and provides coaching services for those who have experienced past trauma in relationships such as sexual or physical abuse. She is gracious enough to provide a special discount for all of our listeners, 20% off her initial intake session. So if you'd like to take advantage of this offer, when you contact her, make sure to contact her at thesixthhouse.com and use the promo code couplesynergy 52 That's couplesynergy 52 And now, on to the podcast. Take a girl and a guy, and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Check us out online on our Facebook page, Couples Synergy, or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on a couple synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experiences working with thousands of couples for nearly 20 years. Everyone says you have to work on a relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. In this episode... Jean and I will be interviewing Mary Senashi, who is a holistic wellness coach and shadow integration coach. She's the founder and coach at The Sixth House, a holistic wellness practice that focuses on the emotional and spiritual realms of the human experience. Welcome, Mary. Thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So what's The Sixth House? Literally... The sixth house is the astrological house of wellness and service. So I am a self-proclaimed astrologer. I've studied and practiced astrology for, well, maybe 22 years now. And when I realized that so many of my prominent um, planets were in the sixth house, I started questioning that a little bit. Like, what does that mean? Um, and it actually led me down my own personal path to healing. But then when I started trying to think of names for my wellness practice, it made a whole lot of sense because I am here to help people find their ideal state of wellness, but I'm also here to serve. So, and if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, how would they get a hold of you? My website would be the best place, which is www.thesixhouse.com. Six house is the number six, T-H, not spelled out. 
Um, I have a Facebook page, same thing, at The Sixth House. Instagram is the same thing, at The Sixth House. <laughs> okay, nice and easy. And yeah. now you provide personal coaching for people. Is that correct? Correct. So this, this shadow integration coaching, I, I'm very interested in this. Well, what is that? What does that mean, you know, for, for people out there that may not know what that term means? Can you explain it for us? Mm-hmm. So the meat and potatoes of shadow integration is the unconscious parts of our personality and our human experience, which lie under, under radar and create havoc in our lives so that's the shadow it's these these parts of our personality that we don't even realize are coming out so we'll see it in our triggers we'll see it in our judgments of other people we'll see it in our explosive um, emotions so the shadow integration is taking the time to explore the things that happened in our childhood typically it's childhood um, ages birth to seven taking time to kind of investigate where did the separation happen from consciousness to unconsciousness, that repression or suppression, where did that happen? What were the experiences? And what happened to that part of our soul? I call it soul. Western medicine likes to call psyche um, the thinking mind. I call it soul. Um, What happened to those pieces? And why did that happen to those pieces? And the integration part of that is accepting those pieces, inviting those pieces to our conscious table, you know, our conscious living, and showing those pieces that we find or those personalities that we find in the shadow realm, giving them a a place to feel acknowledged and honored and balanced. So it really reminds me of Carl Jung, right? And we are like, mm-hmm. you know, fans of Carl Jung. Right. And mm-hmm. he talks about that shadow side, mm-hmm. that all of us have that shadow side and that we, most often we try to repress it or we try to extinguish it from our lives. Mm-hmm. But really what we need to do is learn how to integrate it. Correct. Right? Because it's an integration that we really truly learn about who we are as a whole. Correct. That, so that, that's fascinating. Yeah. That's awesome. Would you say that the language of our shadow is shame? So shame literally means I'm not enough, I don't belong. And that's the part of us that we either haven't been exposed to because maybe we've never been in a situation where we had to fight for our life, so we don't know how we respond to that. Mm-hmm. Or it's something that we've denied within ourselves. Yes, yes, and yes. So <laughs> shame is the one of the number one factors. And in addition to survival. So one of the stories that I tell my clients often, because there's a misconception about shadow, and, and I fell into the world of shadow through Carl Jung as well, but there's a misconception out there. There's a lot of bad information so shadow is not only negative parts of us that is the big everyone thinks that's what it is but a story that i like to tell my clients is that rejection in childhood which ends up equaling shame in adulthood there's also the little things that happen and it's 
um, well, I'll just tell the story. So there's a little girl sitting on a tile floor in a kitchen while her mom is making dinner. We'll call her Anne, and she's four, and she has dolls, and she just wants to play with her mom. Mommy, mommy, let's play. Let's play. And the mom is making dinner, and she's like, Anne, just stop. Stop. I'm making dinner. I can't do this right now. Your dad's going to be home soon. Your brother's going to be home soon. We, like, I have stuff I need to do. You need to just go and play. Anne does not have enough life experience to know what that means. She immediately takes that as rejection, and she learns that in order to not be rejected, she has to be quiet, she has to be self-sufficient, she has to come after her brother and her father, and in the adult life, sometimes that equals shame, and other times it's just rejection. It, it, it depends on the story, mm-hmm. you know. A lot of times it's shame, but not always. And it sounds like, like hierarchy or something, like you, people come before you, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. People, things. So a, a lot of different things create that shadow compartment. It is what we are taught is good, what we are taught is bad, acceptable, non-acceptable. So there's always a family culture and there's a society culture and then there's a culture of a country or you know a nation and we all have these predetermined acceptances and most times everyone within that group of people have a similar shadow because they were taught what is unacceptable bad wrong secret those things end up in the shadow space and sometimes it is repression. Sometimes we, we create that separation when we're children and we don't remember. It's, we don't remember the concept of being lively and, and playing with dolls and having imagination when we're four. And then there's other parts of the shadow that are needed. So in society, we should not act violently. We should not steal. We should not rape and rob or steal, mm-hmm. you know. We shouldn't do those things, and those things are needed. However, as parents, we are not equipped, unless we've started having children after we started self-development, we're not equipped to know that when we teach what is bad and unacceptable with our children, we have to teach them balance. So the shadow creates a great unbalance in the total human experience and it's very one-sided so our ego is what is left and Mm -hmm. ego ego is real ego is is real but it's learned it's learned based off of what's acceptable in our environments and the shadow are things that are not acceptable or didn't work things that didn't work that reminds me of the concept in the four agreements Mm -hmm. where he says you make an agreement by paying attention and believing it Mm -hmm. And then there's this movie called He's Just Not That Into You. Mm-hmm. Well, well, the right? Four Agreements, for yeah. people who don't know the book, it's mm-hmm. by Miguel Ruiz, yep. mm-hmm. right? Yep, mm-hmm. okay. which is an awesome book that we Fantastic book. ask everyone right. to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that movie that He's Just Not That Into You, it starts out with a little girl, and she's playing in the playground, and a boy kicks sand at her. And she goes crying to her mom, and her mom says, that means he likes you. Mm-hmm. Right? Shadow baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Mm-hmm. So her shadow is accepting a boy playing nice 
And then her ego is when he's mean to me or does something abrasive or aggressive, then that becomes her ego. That becomes what is acceptable and what is good and what is correct. Because that's what's taught. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. So right. the good, the actual, what, what we would like to think is the positive trait ends up in the shadow. That desire to be, let me help you. Mm-hmm. Do you want to use my shovel? Like those are the things that should show that he likes her, you know. Right. Um, although ironically, when boys throw sand at you, they like you. <laughs> like that's the way. That's the way it goes. <laughs> so, so how do you how do you coach someone from that perspective? And what would put a person in a place that would like seek out, you know, your coaching? A lot of times, people don't know why they've come to me. Mm-hmm. They just know that they're in a place, and I use the word stuckness. Not a real word, but it's a real feeling. Sure. And um, they just know that something is not right. They don't feel fulfilled. They feel like there's no passion in their life or there's no purpose or they see a pattern in unhealthy relationships or there is this overwhelming feeling of unhappiness. Most of my clients have these things. So they have like this 500-foot view of their life, Mm -hmm. but they're not in it. Yeah, yeah, most of mm-hmm. them. and they, Or there are others that will come and say, this is what's happening, and I need to work on this. Either client, the same thing happens. I ask the same types of questions, and I'm bringing them back to childhood. It's always, it always starts there for shadow work. And the reason why is because that's when our compartments started developing. Right, right. When we're born, we are that full spectrum of human. We are that full spectrum of psyche. And we're that full spectrum of emotion. But throughout the first seven years of our lives, as we are operating on that theta and um, what is the other? I said beta before, but it's not. That theta brave link, our brain wave, where it's it's basically being hypnotized, mm-hmm. where we operate the so long. Beta waves. The well, hypnogogic yeah, type of... Yeah, yeah, you're basically under hypnosis. We are downloading all this information. Right. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I just start asking regular questions, like questions that you ask your date on the first date. Mm-hmm. And I am going to kind of use an example here. How was your childhood? Like, how were your parents? What do you remember about your parents? And I've had a response before. They were great. You know, it was normal. Mm-hmm. It was normal. Normal. Yeah. I love that. Right. Because that's all you know. Yeah. And so that's how you respond. It's normal. And they use words like great, but what does that mean? What is, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what I do. I do a lot of whys. I have that why practice. Why? 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 But so when client A comes in and says, I am angry and I can't explain why, and client B comes in and says, I just want to go home after work and not deal with the world. And I know that that's not the right thing, but I, I can't understand why. I do the same thing with both people. I go back to childhood and we start there. And usually it ends up in session. So the uh, original session will be intake. And there's a whole lot that's unknown. Usually by session two, they're having those aha moments. So I have a client who had a normal childhood you know, her family never impressed much upon her. She didn't really feel much pressure anywhere, but she had a, a bully of a brother. And the more questions that I asked, the more she realized that her brother was enabled 
he was able to bully her. He was a little favored. You know, there was some things that went on that created that environment for her. And by session three, you just it's just asking the questions of remembrance. I just want you to remember. And a lot of times, not all the clients do it, but I ask them to name that part of them. So what age were you when you realized that your, I'm, I'm trying to make up an example now, what age were you when you realized that you had to be quiet instead of play pretend with your mom? And what did that mean to you? At what point did you stop playing pretend with your mom? So that was when the fragmentation happened. And that is when the quiet and observant and obedient good girl came developed, into, right. yeah, that's right. when she developed. But what we do is we go back and we take that piece that walked away or hid away or went away or was pushed away. We take her, we name her, and we integrate her qualities, her livelihood her enthusiasm, her creativity, and... You integrate it back into the present. integrate it back into the, the, the adult experience, right. and it transforms lives. But we have to go back to when those things were lost. Mm -hmm. We have to go there because... A lot, a lot of times our, shadow, our shadows are developed when we're adults, but it's, it's a little different. The, the most detrimental are the ones that we don't remember. And we know that there's something that needs to change and we don't know why. So we find out what made you feel inadequate, what made you feel afraid, what made you not trust humans, what made you feel like you're not enough. A lot of times it's the not enoughness. So do you think that, um, have you noticed a pattern in the type of, maybe experience that the person is in as an adult that would trigger them to start to do this kind of work you know like so you're just say you're five six you have these experiences and then you're just chugging through your life and now you're a certain age or something happens and all of a sudden boom i need to work on this mm -hmm. so there's this is my my theory there's two things either you've hit rock bottom and you can't think of any other way, you, you search for a way out, or you become curious. Something happens and you have some sort of synchronicity or you have a, a, a loved one pressure you into getting help from something mm -hmm. different. Most of my clients have gone to therapy. Most of my clients have tried Western medicine or other or self-help books or whatnot, and they want to move into something that is new so either curiosity or rock bottom one one of my clients just she, she just didn't know what to do anymore she didn't know what to do and she was so pessimistic and she told me i don't i don't know what's going on with you i don't know what this woo woo is what are those crystals and what is that what are you talking about it doesn't make any sense the two-hour intake I always do an astrology reading. I always cast the birth chart and I look for the shadow markers. So I look for your soul lessons. I look for those things that happen that correlate with trauma and wounds. And we talk about it during the first session. So there's about an hour of that. And then in the second hour or integrated in both hours, there is the, the development of the relationship between coach and client. And by the second appointment which is a one-hour session 
that client who was very skeptical of me was like, you have opened something in me that I don't understand. And that is shadow. You don't understand because it's unknown. It's foreign and it's really scary, you know? So I'm really glad that you brought up like the word (laughs) woo-woo or people say foo-foo or whatever whatever the word is. But, you know, I think that there is a lot of stereotype and, you know, we obviously come from a field where there's a lot of stereotype too, Mm -hmm. right? And just because someone is trained in psychodynamic or cognitive behavioral therapy, it doesn't mean that they're actually able to help people. Mm -hmm. What? Right. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say right. to my and, face? And guess what? It's not a science. <laughs> what? It's not. Wait, what? No. <laughs> right. You know, uh, we believe that psychology really is an art. It's not just an art. And it it's takes a calling. intuition. Yeah. It's really a calling, and it's not something you can really teach. You can um, develop. Mm-hmm. And I think there's natural people out there who have that calling without the development of the school system yeah right yeah i you know the psychology field just you know made made it a point to try to mimic the american medical association and try to become you know legitimate in the eyes of science and it it really isn't it's not about science it's not about hard facts it's about being able to connect to another human being at Mm -hmm. a soul level be able to see them Mm -hmm. and be able to help them see themselves I would say that um, if if we truly had a capitalistic society, I know there's a lot of people offended by that word, but anyways. Capitalism? That, <laughs> what? That means that if you really have something to offer of value, that somebody would pay you for that, mm-hmm. right? And so in our field, um, we have insurance. Yeah. And so the same letters are, are behind everyone's name, and all the insurance is going to pay for that. And so there's nothing to distinguish or determine if someone actually is skilled at it or not. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where the coaching model, you don't have a choice. You are in a capitalistic situation. You're going to walk that talk. And, yep. Yeah. And either you're going to help someone and they're going to pay you or you're not and you're going to flail. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I, I kind of like the coaching model for that reason. Mm. Because on the other end, like Ray and I are a million times more experienced in relationships than anyone we've ever met, right? And we can't charge any more than yeah. anyone else with the same in, letters. In our field, mm-hmm. right. And, yeah. you know, here's a misconception most people don't know, is that people who have a license to do therapy out there, if they say that they are a marriage therapist or if they say that they're a family therapist, there isn't any additional training that's required. Yeah, it's so, whatever they selected. Whatever right. Was you, selected. you go through a generalist type of training. Mm-hmm. You are taught the basic level of education when it comes to the field. And then you're set out into the world, mm-hmm. right? And now you can put your shingle up on the wall and you could say, I am a family therapist. And you may not have actually sat in front of a family before. Yeah. Which we actually started out that way, right? We were working in the community mental health field. Right. And we were thrown families. We were thrown couples. We were thrown whatever cases we had to deal with. And it was so awful that we're like, I think we could come up with a better model, which is why we started the Lighthouse Emotional Wellness Center. Right. Right. To develop couple synergy, which is our method. And now family synergy therapy. 
but we didn't learn it in a book. Mm-hmm. We learned no. it through our experience. couples, our right. families, yeah. right? And and life experience and doing your own self growth. And one thing that you're talking about is really huge is that focus on the childhood, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a modality of therapy called object relations where they do focus on, you know, the family, mm-hmm. right? But integrating it with the current, you know, what you're bringing into relationships now, n- most therapists really don't do that. Yeah. Right? They may take an intake, here's my history. Okay, so then let's go to the present tense. What can we do right now? Maybe you should do some deep breathing. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me more about that, which I say all the time. (laughs) I say, let's unpack that a little bit. Right. But it's important to unpack, but it's also as or more important to take on those pieces that were left behind. Mm -hmm. Even the ones, and this is where shadow work gets tricky, and this is where I am kick-ass, I think. So even the parts of us that are cast away to the shadow that are needed, our aggression, our prejudice, our bias, our huge fears and insecurities, these things are integral to being a whole, well-rounded person. And we have to step up as individuals and as coaches and therapists, I believe. But I understand that Western medicine has that kind of box. There's only so much you can do and say. But we have a responsibility to integrate those parts of ourselves and our psyches, our souls, so that we can relate to other people. It's integral that we do this work and we can relate to people and understand them because the more we judge people the more we separate and it's not really doing anything for societies countries communities families it's not doing any help one of the things that we were talking about before we we kind of went you know on on the record button here was about healing childhood wounds Mm -hmm. and that's something that you do with the shadow work hundred percent because what ends up happening when we are able to identify when and where this part of us separated we we give a name to it so I have a part of me a a traumatized little Mary I, I, I named her April we put a name to it and we tell that part of ourselves so let me I'm going to backtrack just a little bit because I think it's important to say this which I say to all of my clients although our environments dictated what we had to do to survive hmm. and our parents are primary and our caregivers are the primary people who conditioned us to frag like fragment our psyches we as individuals are the ones that did the repression hmm. we are the ones that's key a hundred percent. We are the ones who denied that. Okay. We, whether we understood it or not, at some point in our life, we made that decision. This is not going to be me anymore because this is not getting me what I need. See, that's, that's very important because that's what you could take responsibility for. Yes. Mm -hmm. You can't take responsibility for the abuse, right? but you can take responsibility for your part in repressing it. Right. And it sucks. Like uh, people don't want to say, okay, I was abused. I was 
you know, I had abusive parents or I was um, ridiculed. I, there was bullying in my childhood. People, people like to have other people take responsibility for their adult trauma, but we have to take responsibility for at some point in our life, we decided consciously or unconsciously, we did it. It was us. It was our psyche. We're going to separate this because this is getting me what I need right now. This is getting me approval, love, um, safety, whatever it is. And during the integration, if you name that part of you, you give it identity. So now I recognize you. There's recognition. And then you say, I am not rejecting you anymore. You're safe with me. You're safe with me. I love you. You're important. You're valuable. You're beautiful. Whatever it is. Like every, every disowned part of us has a different feeling to it, right? A different part of our human experience, whether it's emotion or trait. Those things are set aside. So we accept it. And we ask it for its input later because a lot of times it doesn't happen right away. A lot of times my April does not trust people. My April says there's no such thing as love. Mm -hmm. Love does not exist because the people who love me most hurt me most, right? So April was angry, but she also had that unconditional love. And it wasn't until I integrated April and I told her, I am not going to push you aside anymore. I know I did because I had to be big and bad. I had to be tough. I had to be strong. I had to protect myself. I need you because you're unconditional. You're 10 years old. You're unconditional. You still understand that, that emotion and the value of honoring another soul no matter what. So when I integrated her, I was able to recognize in other people the value of the negative parts of me, which were alcoholism, anger, violence, keeping people at arm's length. I was able to recognize that in other people and appreciate it. I would not have been able to do that if I did not integrate April because she had the unconditional love, which was on the other side of the spectrum of my experience and it'd be different for everybody. Mm -hmm. So let me, let me clarify here because it's like, you know, when we're talking about compartmentalization, we talk about it being a bad thing, right? Mm -hmm. But what you're talking about here is kind of the sacred side of compartmentalization. You're creating a compartment for April to exist so that you can eventually then integrate her back in. There might be an unconscious doing there, maybe. So typically, the way I understand it is it happens to survive. So the little girl who's sitting on the floor trying to play with mom feels rejection. I'm just going to do what mom says is right. I'm going to be quiet. Right. And I'm going to come after brother and dad. So I don't think it was a sacred act. I think it was one that needed to happen for that little girl to feel love and acceptance from her mother, even though it went against the grain of what made her feel her. 
So she took away the pretend and the excitement and the dolls and the creativity, and she became quiet and she became other. So I, I wouldn't say it's sacred. Um, I feel like when we're adults, there is a such thing as compartmentalizing for the sake of being sacred, but I feel like if you're able to do that and you're willing to do that, you've already done a whole lot of work. Yeah, there's kind of a ramping up that has to happen. Yeah, right yeah. Yeah, the shadow is not something that we plan Mm-mm. at all. It's something that happens within our psyche. And it's it's just it just happens in order to... I keep using the word survive, and that's the best word. It's not always the case for everyone. So the little girl on the floor, she wasn't surviving. But at four, you don't have any life experience to compare that to. All you know is you want your mom's love and acceptance. And right now, you've played with dolls, and you've interrupted her, and you've been rejected. Who wants to feel rejection? Certainly not a four-year-old little girl with, with her mom. So she's now going to give up a part of herself that is innately part of who she is right. in I, order I would, to have acceptance from her mother. I would agree that is survival. You know, the yeah. same thing is true. If we walk in the door and our dog comes up to us and she is excited and she's trying to get our attention, if we ignore her, she's going to act out. She's going to yeah. pee on the floor. She's going to get really anxious because her survival depends mm-hmm. on our attention mm-hmm. on our knowing she's part of our pack right mm-hmm. our acceptance yeah. yeah and i would say the four-year-old girl even though that example seems you know it's little yeah but but it's, it's minor part but it's of, huge it is it's i would yeah. agree that that's part of that yeah the one of the questions that i ask all my clients before i dive into this kind of stuff so i want to hear your opinion of this is what is your belief about why people are here on earth and what happens when we die? Ooh, that's loaded, sister. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm. So I feel like, oh man, here's another unpopular thing, but I'm just going to put it out there because it is, this is, this is my truth. So I believe that our soul, our psyche begins with the first birth and that it continues i believe in reincarnation so i believe that the soul continues to come into existence in human form i don't believe in you know trees and animals and such but in human form until it has ascended ascended sorry to the highest point of the full spectrum of the human experience this is what i believe So I believe our purpose or why we are here is to upgrade, to learn as much Mm -hmm. and to integrate as much of the initial, what we were innately when we took our first breath. And I do believe that that can happen with one incarnation of the energy that is our soul. So this is where it gets weird. So the science meets magic. I believe in the soul. For my clients who don't believe in reincarnation, it's that energy. That's scientific, baby. You can't, you can't, like, it's proven energy does not die. So the energy that enters with your first breath, there is a purpose there, and it is to become the fullest form of its existence. Mm -hmm. And in the soul, in a human life, there are lessons to be learned. And the more we work on developing 
our human existence, and that entails relating with other people. It's really hard to do when there's prejudice out there and there's judgment and there's ridicule and there's triggers. But All the, over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the more we're able to relate with our opposite, the higher we ascend. So I believe we are here, each of us, to ascend as souls. But I also believe that we're here to connect. And um, that's going to mean something different for everybody. When we die, I don't know. <laughs> None of us do. None yeah. of us know. I, I can't say to claim that I know. We'll but find out one day. Let's say, let's say, I also, ironically, I also don't believe that there's a lifetime where we can become fully ascended. Like, we are not going to integrate all pieces that are missing in a lifetime. I'm working on it. <laughs> do it, Ray. <laughs> So, I'm calculating. So, <laughs> so what you're what you're saying is that it isn't just about some of the experiences we had as children. It could also be some of the experiences we had in past lives. Yeah, yeah. And so, I think that's an important concept if yeah. you're going to go with a concept like astrology mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. says some of this is part of a contract and things you came here to work on. Yeah. And and that you know either you believe in a, in a loving universe that is on an evolutionary path that is throwing life experiences at you that you can grow from mm-hmm. or nothing matters. And when we die, we're dead. Yeah. I'd rather not believe that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and there's the other, there's the third option, which I think is more common, which is we're here to live and do what we're going to do. And then we die and we go to heaven or hell. I don't believe that. I don't, I believe that as a parent, I can't believe that. Yeah. Like I couldn't do that to my kids. How could God yeah. do that to us? Yeah. Right? If that's the way it is. You know? Yeah. I, I feel like after we die, we become, we just, here's this word, we, we, we reintegrate. We go back in, the energy goes back in. You can stay, all the energy goes here, it might spread out, who knows. But I believe that it is, recycle might seem harsh, but it's recycled back into this, experience and life experience and I don't believe that there is something final afterward I I just can't because again where science meets magic science has proven that energy doesn't die and we are 100% in every aspect of our being we're energy you know See, so that would put a a big spotlight on learning what we're supposed to learn in Mm -hmm. this time. In this lifetime, yeah. And that's where astrology comes into my practice. Mm -hmm. I will, I'll sit down and tell you, hey, Mm -hmm. this is what you did in a past life. And this is what your soul, you know, this is where you excelled Mm -hmm. before. And this is where you, you need to like pull back a little bit in this lifetime. These are those lessons. It's really, that's really awesome. I love that you are you familiar or did you read up or what happened there? Cause you connected with. cause you brought up astrology when I started oh, talking. Yeah. About, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I practice along those same lines mm-hmm. and I, you know, for, for people who've gone through tremendous, um, well, I think all people have trauma in their life, you know, and, and to go through that, if there's no point, then that's really depressing and sad. Mm-hmm. So I hope there's a point to what we go through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was listening to Greg Braden the other day, and he was quoting a man named E.O. Wilson, who said that we are drowning in information 
and we are starving for wisdom. Mm -hmm. And what wisdom actually is, is connecting two things, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're taking the concept of healing and the concept of astrology and you're blending those two things together. And I hope that when we die, we're taking that knowledge with us and changing the whole collective in that way from what we've experienced. And you know, in order to have free will, you have to allow people to choose dark things or light things, mm -hmm. right? And you see this with people, people who have been through abuses and traumas, or there's other people who they go through terrible things and they say, I would never want to treat someone like that. They transform it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Transformation and, and rebirth. Yeah. Yeah. Greg Braden actually says that this new era that we're going into, it calls for synthesizers. Right. Mm -hmm. People who are able to integrate, mm -hmm. to use that word, mm -hmm. a lot of this information that we are drowning in, mm -hmm. right? To put the pieces together and to be able to present it at the right time for the right person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would think that in the field of coaching and in the field of psychology, th that's the Petri dish of where we're learning from real one-on-one -on -one people about their life experiences of going through difficult things and how they overcome it in order to get that wisdom to then help the world become better and to evolve. Mm -hmm. Who are we just talking about I'm not going to remember their name, which sucks, but I'm going to say this. He says, the way to advance is not to go into the system and negate it. The way to advance is to create something new so the old system becomes obsolete. Yeah, but, you know, it's that concept uh, that we have, to, um, we have to think different and we have to be different. And I think... Be curious. Yeah. When you're in the, in the space of helping people, they teach you as much as you teach them. A hundred percent. 100%. And that knowledge is how you bring it to more and more and more people. Mm -hmm. So Mary, we want to thank you very much for being on Couple Synergy today. It, you know, if people want to get in touch with you again, can you reiterate, you know, what or what's the contact information for you? The website is www.thesixthhouse.com. And that's T-H-E, the numeral six, T-H. H-O-U-S-E. On Facebook and Instagram, it's the same thing, at The Sixth House. I'd awesome. be happy to hear from you. Absolutely. You know, and I just want to give another shout out. Yeah. For the Overcoming Mediocrity mm -hmm. book that we're both going to be in coming out in December. Mm -hmm. Fearless Women? Fearless Women. Yep. Yeah. And it's will that also be available book. on your website? It is, yeah. Okay. It will be in my cart, or in my cart, on my uh, Sales in page. your store. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that book is a collection of stories of women who have gone through some difficult things and how they overcame that to become who they are today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we hope that by listening to this episode, it was not only beneficial for your life, but also for your relationship. For all you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review on apple podcast i believe it's not in itunes anymore oh okay. if you have any questions comments or topic suggestions please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com for more information about couple synergy and our programs such as relationship 101 the couples weekend intensive and our premier program called couple to couple look us up online at couplesynergy.com 
And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. Until next time, synergize your life, synergize your life. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez. Mm-hmm.